Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Initiate. Broadcasting from the Rock and Roll Bomb Shelter. I'm ready. Surrounded by radioactive biscuits and the world-famous Rock Eyes. Located 40 feet beneath the radio station, it's the Big Fat American Rock Show. With your host, the Doc of Rock, the Professor, everyone's favorite mad music magician, Crazy Uncle, and your best friend in the whole wide world, Zach Martin. Vivian Campbell, today's your rock and roll biography. Tell us who you are. (laughs) Well, how much time you got? (laughs) Well, as much uh... time as you need. I, I have a, a rather colorful resume. Um, let me work backwards. Uh, so for the last 27 years, I've been a member of Def Leppard, and uh, that's been very, very exciting. Had a very, very busy 2018 um, doing a co-headline North American tour with Journey, sold over a million tickets in North America, around the world, actually, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, UK. Now, when I'm not working with Def Leppard, I'm working with Last in Line, which is my project band. Very serious project band, because like I said, when I'm not working with Leopard, I'm, I'm pretty much doing shows or recording with Last in Line, and we just released our second album, appropriately titled Two, because it really does sound like a band's second album to me. We really find our sound with that, and uh, we're very pleased about that. That came out on Frontiers Records on February 22nd. So going back further, uh, I was in Whitesnake version 37A <laughs> for about 15 minutes back in the late 1980s. That was a lot of fun. Prior to that, I've done records with a band called River Dogs. I've done records with Lou Graham from Farner. Um, and I was part of the original deal band for the Holy Diver, Last in Line, and Sacred Heart albums before I got fired uh, back in the early 80s. And in fact, Last in Line is the remnants of, of the original deal band. Right now, it's it's only Vinnie Apathy, the drummer, and myself. We're the only two surviving members. Uh, but we did start that project about a year after Ronnie Deal would passed away uh, with Jimmy Ben, the original bass player. Jimmy, unfortunately, passed away in 2016. And um, yeah, so that's what we do. That's kind of part of my career. I've left a bunch of stuff out because it goes on and on. Well, well, we'll get to more of that, but let me first offer my condolences for the loss of your bandmates. I know that's always a tough thing to go through. And the one thing that I've learned over the years, Vivian, is there's no such thing as closure. It's just time goes by. Yes, yes, indeed, you know, and uh, we... In Last in Line, you know, we, we still remember Jimmy every show we play, and we, we dedicate a song to him, and, you know, he's always there with us, indeed. I do the same sort of thing. I worked with Scott Muni, who used to work at NEW back in the day. You might have met him, the old guy with the gravelly voice playing Def Leppard on the radio here in New York City. <laughs> and uh, I don't think there's a day that goes by where I don't think of him or mention him or laugh about something that we did together. We were good mates. And, and when you lose somebody that's very close to you, I think it's the right thing to do. And, you know, in a way, Vivian, they're, they're even closer to you when they're not 
present with you, if that makes sense. They're part of your heart. That's understandable, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, and then speaking of which, you know, my 27 years in Def Leppard are, are only as a result of the passing of Steve Clark, the original guitar player. Um, and when we were inducted in the Hall of Fame, I know that we'd all be remembering Steve. You know, he's, he was such a great part of the of the band, and his music lives on to this day. You know, every every night I'm on stage with Def Leppard, I'm playing Steve Clark's music. So I, I, even though I never knew him as a person, I really feel like I know him as an artist. You know, because I, I'm inside of that music, and uh, I've uh, I've you know, reshifted in, in my own style to a certain extent over 27 years, but obviously, you know, still paying homage to Steve and, and the, the, the great talent that he was. That's fantastic. So you keep Steve's spirit alive. That's really cool. Now, you mentioned that you got fired from a rock band. Now, I don't know what you have to do to get fired by a rock band. Could could you explain, <laughs> that, especially that, when they go, for, yeah, go ahead. Tell us how you got fired. I, I, I've, I've been fired from two. <laughs> All right. One, one wasn't enough and, and, and two consecutive ones. Well, I was fired from the original deal band. And a, a couple of years later, I was fired from version 37A of Whitesnake. Um, <laughs> no, it's, I was fired from both those bands for very different reasons. Um, you know, it's, yeah, and it wasn't for bad behavior. I mean, I'm not like, you know, the stereotypical rock star guy. I don't have a tattoo on my body. I've never done cocaine. You know, I, I just, I, I'm a musician, you know, and, and uh, it's 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 always been my passion. I've been very fortunate in my career with so many great bands and artists. But, um, you know, I got fired from Dio over principle. I mean, some people would dumb it down and say it was over money. Uh, yeah, you could say that that was part of the equation, but it, it was the principle of the money. It wasn't the dollar amount that got me fired. Um, but it, that's, a, that's a long story, and it's been represented and misrepresented in many ways over the decades. Uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to write a book to clarify all of that. But, but you know, in, in short, you know, the original deal band was myself. Jimmy Beans and Yassi and Ronnie Dio, and the band was formed in a rehearsal room in, in North London in, uh, I think it was October of, September or October of, of 1982. And yeah, a promise was made, and, and a few years down the line, uh, the promise wasn't kept, and I was very vocal about it, and that got me fired from the band. So um, the White Snake thing was, was a difficult issue, because the White Snake is always has always been and will always be David Coverdale's band and you know, we all knew that. But um there were there were certain um certain issues going on within the band and, and with band wise. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, yes, I understand that. that. That's not the first time it happened to Aerosmith from what I understand. But you know what really always cracked me up? When you knew that a lot of the guys in some bands were doing drugs and they fired one of the other guys for doing drugs, I'm thinking how bad of a druggie are you to get fired by other druggies? Man, come on now. You don't have to get too specific. It's just, I, I think it's a funny thing to say you got fired from a rock band. And in a way, you're my hero. That's like getting fired at a radio station. You know, you, you know you're not doing your job well unless you get fired a few times. Now, uh, apparently, I, apparently so, yeah. Yeah, and what you should do is write your experience instead of doing a book, write an article for the HBR so that you can be one of the very few rock and rollers who have an article in the Harvard Business Review. See? And, and, and you know, since while we're on the subject, this is a, a way to really blow people's minds, and this will help you out. I like to read things like the Harvard Business Review and just remember of a, a couple of the sentences and the words that I see, 
and I'll use them in a, in a sentence for an answer, and that usually kills the conversation. I can move on. They go, oh, my gosh, that guy is so brilliant. Did you hear what he just said? <laughs> so you, you can use that one on your own. Let's go back even further because I always find this interesting. Who gave you or how did you come across, and I'm going to assume it's a guitar, but your first musical instrument? Um, well, I, I first knew I wanted to be a guitar player when I saw Mark Bolin and T-Rex oh. on a show called Top of the Pops. Yes. It was a Thursday night on BBC One. Uh, I, I think it was probably about 1971, maybe 72. I'm not sure if it was, it was one or the other. I was uh, nine or ten years old, and um, I just, I, everything about Bolin, I mean, it just just the whole aura, the hair, the image, the clothes, the, the Les Paul, um, that's what first turned me on to it. I just had an epiphany, and from that moment on, I knew I wanted to get a guitar and, and learn how to play, and I wanted to grow my hair. And um, it took a few years after that before I actually did get a guitar. I kept pestering my parents, and <laughs> I think after a couple of years, they realized that I was serious, and and. You know, I will give a shout out to my dear departed father, who was my biggest fan. I mean, he, he really believed in me when <laughs> when nobody else did, you know. And, and I remember one night he came back and he had this little acoustic guitar, and that was the first uh, instrument I ever had. And, and I kept badgering him for years afterwards, and eventually he enabled me to get an electric guitar and an amplifier and so on and so forth. And and then in later years, when I actually was with Dio, uh, you know, doing the Holy Diver tour, uh, our first tour, I, I remember my, my father flew out to, to a bunch of shows. And he just used to like to have his all access Lammy and just hang out and be at the side of the stage. And, you know, that was that was great. And my first ever gold album was for Holy Diver. And my father was also called Vivian. And so, you know, my first ever gold album was presented to Vivian Campbell for sales of 500,000 copies of Holy Diver. And I, I've never been one to hang those awards on walls. Um, to this day, I've never hung one. <laughs> but I did give that first one to my father, and he hung it in his office, which was an interesting conversation piece when people would walk into his office because he was not in the music business, but he had a gold album. So um, that's how I got started, you know, and that's kind of what, what did it to me. I got a feeling your dad, Vivian, would go to the local pub and tell the girls that he was a guitarist for uh, Dio. No, he wouldn't go quite that far. Because <laughs> I know I would. He was, he, he was the original Vivian Campbell, which uh, you can't argue with. You know? yeah, that's good. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. There's two different questions, and it's got to do with other groups besides Last in Line. But we'll get to uh, what you guys are doing in a few minutes. I had uh, Vinny Apice on last week. I'm friends with his brother, Carmine Apice. Don't, yep. I, I can't figure out why they both say their last names differently. And then there's their brother, Fred, who says it completely different from the other two. So that must be one crazy family, right? Um, it is. Yeah, yeah go it ahead. Is, no, go it, ahead. Let's it, spill the beans. What's so crazy about these guys? What's, what, you know, tell me some I, of the yeah, dirty laundry. Sure I, I think Carmine, Carmine was the, um, the, the first one to, to, Changed the pronunciation of the name, I believe. From what Vinnie told me, goes back to the 1970s when Carmen was playing drums with Rod Stewart. Yep. And decided to uh, have a pronunciation for, for his name. Um, I believe the way that Vinnie pronounced it, Vinnie Apathy, um, is the way that his parents pronounced the name. And I believe that the way <laughs> their their third brother, uh, Frank, I believe, uh, yeah. pronounced it Apici, which is more the Italian dialect. 
that's my understanding of it. I mean, it's pretty strange. You have these three brothers, and, and each one of them has a different pronunciation of their surname. But, uh, I don't have that problem with Campbell. It's no. pretty straightforward, you know. No, but I think a lot of people might get you confused with other Campbells in rock and roll. Does that happen to you a lot? No, actually, it, it, it doesn't. There's, there's not that many. I mean, there's one Glenn, you know, of course. Um, there's a Phil Campbell who played guitar with Motorhead for a while. Um, Mike Campbell, who is currently with Fleetwood Mac, and of course with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers for decades. Um, there's only several of us that I'm aware of. Um, yeah. Did you yeah. do? There's did not you, many Vivians, though. I'm certainly the only Vivian that plays guitar that I'm aware. You, what you guys should do is all take the 23andMe or the Ancestry.com to see if you're all related <laughs> to the Rolling Stones. Now, uh, let's talk about the other music uh, that we're going to get to. Man, I, I kind of slipped my mind because I had a good question and I forgot it. You know how that goes. When it comes to Led Zeppelin, how long did it take you to realize that Led Zeppelin was a great cover band? <laughs> um, uh, you, are you referring to their blues influence? Um, yeah, it could be. I mean, you take Led Zeppelin one, two, three, and a few others, and you listen to those songs, you realize, well, that was Willie Dixon over there, and that's uh, Robert Johnson over there. Memphis Mini is when the levee breaks, so... Yeah. I thought that that was pretty interesting how they, they were able to, uh, well, I asked that the same thing of Robert Plant, and he goes, they're not covers, they're interpretations, and he kind of got mad at me. But, um, yeah, okay. I, you yeah. know, I mean, I got I to gotta ask. I mean, they're, they are the world's, to me, one of the world's greatest bands, and I love Led Zeppelin. I can't tell you how many times that I've gone down to um, St. Mark's Place and... Um, gone to the physical graffiti building just to take a picture. Mm -hmm. And I also passed by Electric Lady Studios, which is on 8th Street, which is a fascinating place in New York. But back to uh, the question I ask you, when did you realize that that's what they were doing? Um, not until later years, you know. I um, I did a blues album in 2004, 2005, a bunch of blues covers, and, and for about a year preceding the making of that record, I really kind of immersed myself in the blues, and, um, you know, I, I would just, uh, thanks to the internet and iTunes, I could go out there and, and link from one thing to another and kind of connect the dots. Uh, you know, the blues has always been a big influence for me because my first actual guitar hero, the first album I owned, the first concert I saw, uh, and the first guitar player I, can't, I tried to emulate was a guy called Rory Gallagher who's an Irish blues guitar player, blues rock. And, and Rory was, his big hero was Muddy Waters. Uh, but I, you know, I'd heard the name, I'd heard, I'd heard all these names in the past. I didn't really understand the music much until that year leading up to my making a blues record. And um, it, it was quite an interesting discovery, you know. And then, like you, you say, like the, the whole Willie Dixon thing, I think you probably wrote most of the blues songs ever written, you know. And you, you do actually realize just how how much of an influence these people had on rock and roll, you know, it's it's something that, that kind of gets glossed over a lot. And, and still to this day, I mean, it all kind of filters down, you know, and you listen to, you know, Jimmy Rogers playing and, and, and how that was picked up and interpreted by Jimi Hendrix and so on and so forth. And it's, there is such a great lineage and such a great debt of gratitude that we as modern rock guitar players owe, owe those people who really kind of forged that path for us, you know? Um, it's so much easier nowadays to 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 put all that together and and to you know to learn how to play an instrument and and to to make a career as a musician. I mean, back then it was anything but. 
We're talking with Vivian Campbell. Uh, Last in Line is their latest project. They got a new album. That's is it out right now? Is or did it just coming out? I get the dates confused. It, it, it just came out February twenty second. Oh. Second album, and it's it's just simply called Two. And you're going out on tour, obviously. So if you go and mm-hmm. follow you guys on uh, Twitter, for instance, you get the tour dates. Now I'm going to ask you a question about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And this disc jockey that I mentioned before, it's a girl, I guess, in the Los Angeles area radio station. And she asked you, who's going to do the introduction? And I'll just let you answer that. And you don't have to give the name, but I'll, uh, I think I will let everybody just think about who it most likely is going to be. I think they'll be able to figure it out based on the sort of answer you gave her. So who's going to introduce, introduct uh, Def Leppard into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Probably a guitar player, and it, it could be the guitar player from Led Zeppelin. Oh, really? That's good. Or <laughs> it could be a guy who, I don't know, might be an astrophysicist, something like that. It could be. Yeah. Or it could be the guitar player from Led Zeppelin. Oh, okay. It could be the guitar player from Led Zeppelin. Or it could be the other guy. Who knows? But or, I'm it, sure. or it could be someone else entirely. Or how about, you know, I think maybe you should rethink this and get John Paul Jones to do it because... I think bass players, they always get lost in the shuffle. Poor bass players, they don't get any love, right? This is this is true. The, um, John Paul Jones in particular, yeah, I think kind of got lost in the shuffle. Okay. All right. So, so maybe it'll be Robert Plant, you know. Um, well, yes, but just don't let on that you know that a lot of the early Led Zeppelin were cover songs because he'll get upset about that. <laughs> and he'll tell, tell you their interpretations. I, I I won't bring it up to Robert. I will not will not mention it. All right, Vivian Campbell. Now, here's one of the big rock and roll debates that we've had at the kitchen table many times here in the United States. I don't know if you have a position on this, but when it comes to Van Halen, are you a David Lee Roth Van Halen or are you a Sammy Hagar Van Halen? David Lee Roth, no huh? doubt. David Lee yeah. Roth. You didn't even you didn't even think twice about that. All right. No, I mean, that was part of the original character of the band. There was a humor in early Van Halen that, that came across in the music, um, you know, and, and that was essentially Dave Lee Roth's uh, input on that. You know, he wasn't a tremendous vocalist, but he had a tremendous style and, and, and a unique character and personality. And, and that was uh, as important to the, the early band as Eddie's guitar playing and Alex's drumming and, and Michael Anthony's bass playing. I mean, they just... They band, the original band. Uh, that's not to detract in any way from Sammy Hager, who's a remarkable singer. And what they did with Sammy was was different. I mean, it was it was good, but it was different. And it was a little more um, mainstream to my ears. It was also, you know, not just Sammy's influence uh, that, that changed the sound of Van Halen. It was also around the same time that Eddie discovered a keyboard, <laughs> you know, which is all well and good, but I preferred listening to him as a guitarist. So, um, you know, that those those two elements definitely reshaped the sound of, of the, the later Van Halen, but I'm very much a, a fan of the early band. What is the favorite song that you've uh, been part of uh, in the recording that you would say, if, hey, Vivian, what's your favorite song that you've ever recorded? What would that be? That's hard to say. I haven't always been very happy with what I've done in the studio, um, although that has changed of lit. I mean, in, in the last few years, I'm very pleased with my playing and my, my performing and my writing. And uh, the, the latest 
Last and Line album, the two album, uh, I think is some of my, my best playing and certainly some of the playing I'm most happy with. You know, I, I remember like all throughout my career listening back, you know, thinking, gosh, I wish I could have done that again. I could do it better or whatever. You know, that, that's part of the Virgo in me, I guess, you know, never being satisfied with stuff. Um, but it was also a sort of a lack of confidence. Um and, you know, I think when you're a younger musician, you're you're still always trying to emulate other people. Like I was always trying to emulate my heroes. Uh, you know, Rory Gallagher and Gary Moore were my two biggest influences as a guitar player. And, um, you know, so it, it takes a while for you to feel comfortable, or for me at least. It took me a while to, to, to grow into my own skin and to be comfortable and confident with my playing. And I certainly am right now. I mean, I, I feel like I'm really uh, very much where I need to be as a, as a musician, as a guitar player. And I'm more than happy with this, this last in line to record. I think that's a, a great way to think of uh, those kind of things. Uh, I got a confession to make. I never listen to any of the interviews that I do with people ever. I just do them once and put them up online and I never hear them again. <laughs> I don't want to hear myself on the radio. I, I, the voice tracking thing bothers me. I don't want to, my, it comes back to, when I was a young broadcaster, I used to work with this great disc jockey, Mark Coppola. You might, might have heard of the Cope. And um, we would take our air checks, and, and I was going out with my girlfriend at the time. She became my wife. And as we were driving around New York City, and Mark Coppola would be on the radio, the Cope, and I'd go, listen, i got to listen to my air check. And I put it in the, uh, the player, and she would try to talk to me and go, shh, do you know she almost broke up with me because I was so focused on listening to my air checks so after a while i just gave up on listening because any improvements that i could possibly make were not going to happen i was just as good as it was going to be so i gave up on that but I, I just wanted to share that just to let you know you're not the only one um hey, no I, I, I can believe it yeah i'm Absolutely. looking forward to seeing last in line i can't wait uh i know that you're going to eventually get over in the new york city area when you do mm-hmm. i'd like to have you guys stop over at the the studio and we don't even have to do any interviews or anything. What we could do is hang out and have pizza and just start busting on people. It'll be a lot of fun. Would you like that? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, just, I'm, I'm done with that. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Completely different. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter. What, what's your Twitter handle? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, all right. I, I, I'll, I'll take care of that. I'm personally not on Twitter. But no. I last in line on Twitter. And yes, Facebook it is. And I'll all that you, stuff, but, it's at last yeah. in line. And there's all kinds of great videos. You can sample the songs. So Twitter, at last in line. The um, uh, album is an, on sale via Amazon. And I do believe I saw that it's available on vinyl, right? My BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, honey, you know your dad's world-famous chili. Yeah, the one that takes 24 hours to make. So I was trying to help out and bring the pot to the table, but it was like super hot. And then I um dropped it. And now the floor looks all, you know, stained with chili. Look, the point is, you guys cool with pizza for dinner? <laughs> Honey? Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.